Hey everyone, welcome to uh, another episode of Still Processing, where we're taking this series we're in, The Unseen Realm, and just processing it week after week. I'm here with uh, Jess and Mike and um, Kayla, who's our producer today. And um, yeah, so we'll just start talking about things that we're still processing from the last maybe the last Sunday or the last few Sundays or what people are processing yep. in our congregation, what we're processing. So I'll, I'll start where I kind of started last week with like processing the, the, the sermon from like mm-hmm. a pastor teaching a sermon, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still processing. So I, I did this thing where, where um, I was going through the through rebellions and uh, from Genesis 1 through, through 11 that sets up Genesis 12 and the rest of the Bible. And I talk about them and what they mean and all the effects and the fallout. And then I get to Jesus and then I say, um, you would expect that when God is going to do something about these rebellions, it would be uh, a both because the rebellions were divine and human. You would expect that it would be a divine and human kind of agency that mm-hmm, does something. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Jesus is fully divine and fully human. And then you would also expect that there'd be a temptation from the evil one, from the, the one who... Um, some evil, fallen, you know, mm-hmm, rebellious mm-hmm. spiritual being that tries to pull Jesus away mm-hmm. from um, his calling, just like happened in all of these rebellions. And then you get that with with the temptation in the wilderness mm-hmm. and Jesus in the wilderness. And then I just kind of go on with my sermon, yeah. and then I, I end it. But um, but I, I wish I would have said, looking back, here's the homiletical, <laughs> like ah, I wish I would have said. Um, I didn't think about this till like Monday. Uh, and you would also expect after there's a redemption mm. of our identity back to what God has made us in Christ, um, you would expect um, God to then recall us into our original vocation mm-hmm. of being a light to the world or recall mm-hmm. us into um, re-edening the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in Matthew 28. I do Matthew mm-hmm. 28, but I wish I would have done that homiletical, a like more. a little like, yeah. and you would expect. That would have been mm-hmm. really fun. The three would have expected, yeah. and I didn't think about it until Monday. So anyway, yeah. so that's that's just like me processing, like usually pastors or teachers process, like how did the sermon go on like Monday? Like, you know, did you say the things that you felt like God wanted you to say and you wanted to say when you were like spending all those hours writing and studying and stuff? So that came to me later. I was like, darn it. That would have been a really fun <laughs> next time. Yeah. In 15 years, yeah. I do this again. Um, but yeah, what I think the, and then the important part of like that whole thing that I might help us frame our time today is realizing as we're doing all of this stuff through rebellions and unseen realm, Mm -hmm. the importance of this ultimately is the work of Jesus and then the calling the church has in their true identity and Mm -hmm. vocation. Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason we're doing the sermon. Mm -hmm. Like the, as you can see clearly the unseen realm, uh, the way that the scriptures talk about it, then the, 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 the the least likely, hopefully it's less likely to be deceived into mm-hmm. a false identity as a human uh, made in the image of God and a false vocation, thinking you're here to like live for comfort or pleasure or yeah. travel or, you know, mm-hmm. good food. Though mm-hmm. those are all here and, and, and part of God's good creation, mm-hmm. but we're here for, for something. We're here to, you know, mm-hmm. spread the peace and the shalom and the gospel, as Jesus says, of God. So... Those, yeah. That's kind of why we're doing this series. I want to bring everybody back to that. Yeah, I think one of the things I appreciated about the sermon on Sunday is that it did sort of map over the scriptures as a whole mm-hmm. in the sense that these rebellions explain something about what the Bible says 
that explains evil and the way the world is today. That's yeah. like the thing that Genesis gives us mm-hmm. in human yeah. history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, because you know that, if you know that story, then the things about Jesus start to make sense and mm-hmm. they become like powerful and relevant to the things that Jesus did in his ministry. So the thing I liked about the sermon is that it's sort of explaining the way the world is and then saying, here's why it's significant that mm-hmm. Jesus came to restore and like redeem the world, but also like solve this spiritual and human problem that these rebellions created. And then when you look at the very end of the Bible, you see the same thing that like the Mm -hmm. merger of um, like heaven is not just a disembodied spiritual place, but like Mm -hmm. Jesus coming to make heaven earth. And so you start to see the merger of like the Eden, re-Edening the world again at the very end of the Bible. And I think that's like, that's a powerful story that Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important for us to not just think about like, what does the Bible say about Nephilim or something like that, where you're getting in the weeds on something, mm-hmm. but to also like reference it in the overarching story of God and what God is doing in Christ to redeem the world and re-eden the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's always like a good reminder from taking all those like literal and figurative things to also say, I think Dave, you alluded to this as like, cultivate it together for presence and participation. And I think the thing that we left on for me of like still processing is like, how do I continue to keep participating with God despite all the things I'm learning. And not despite, but just because all these other areas are opening up. And I feel like our congregation is at a lot of different places in that. And so um, I'm always asking people or we're always asking them, please, please like email us your questions. Like, what is it that you're processing still? And so um, I do want to bring up one that I feel like I've gotten quite a few questions about, which is actually in Genesis 6, where you brought up, it was like the second rebellion, the flood, where you had the phrase, the son of God and the daughters of men. And I'm like, I'd love to talk about that a little bit more, process that together of like, what exactly? So in that, essentially, they're like, first of all, people are like, well, what is that? Does that mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. does that mean that we are not of God or does that mean we're related to God or how does that mean with like evil in the world? And so I feel like people are, I love it that they're participating in me when they're asking questions, it's participating to ask a deeper question. And as a pastor, sometimes I'm like, well, you know what? That's a great question. I don't know the answer right now, but let's keep learning about it together. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to just talk about why the distinguishing between what like the spiritual beings are and the gods and kind of that role of like how they interact together for that. Yeah. And Gen- I know that's going to lead six. us in deeper, yeah, yeah, <laughs> deeper yeah. things, but okay. So yeah. Genesis, um, Genesis six, I, th- I think that with a phrase, uh, this, the, uh, I'll just read it to you. So everyone knows, um, it's the beginning of Genesis six, Genesis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, the daughters were daughters were born to them. Um, daughters were born to human beings. Mm-hmm. And the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married them. Um, any of them they chose, which is really, really important <laughs> um, part of this. Uh, then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, which is obviously something God's like, I don't, this yeah. is not cool. He does not, not like it. He's yeah. not like this. Okay. Yeah. So sons of God is mm-hmm. that phrase that you hear throughout the Old Testament that talk about uh, spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, um, they're God. They're they're um, uh, spiritual beings, also made in, like God. Yeah. Um, meaning they are like God in the in the unseen realm, the yes. heaven, yeah. the heavenly realm. Yeah. They're 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 um, intelligent and yeah. what all the all the characteristics yes. of yeah. of they're made by God. They're yes. created yeah. by God. And also to distinguish, they're not all evil or not all good. 
Yeah, the yeah. well at the beginning they at were the beginning, all good. Yes, just uh, like all good. humanity. Yes. Yeah, all good, all good, and then there's rebellion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because because God makes all His beings in His image to have a free will. Mm-hmm. Like all of us have mm-hmm. a free will. Every every spiritual being has a free will, mm-hmm. and they use their free will to rebel against God to want to be like God. Yeah. Right. So this is what we get in Isaiah. Yeah. Right. Isaiah, I think fourteen or whatever talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this this fallen one wants to be like God. So sons of God, basically shorthand for um, uh, spiritual beings. Yeah. So these spiritual beings saw that the daughters of men, daughters of men are just basically um, human. Like I, what I said was, a, a better way to read this is mm-hmm. human being, or spiritual beings saw that the human, human beings, beings were beautiful. Mm-hmm. So daughters of men were are just literally that, just like like daughters, just like hum- <laughs> beautiful women, yeah. beautiful women, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. But what's going on here? Okay. So this is what, and um, I'm not the first to say this. I mean, if anyone listens to the Bible Project, which I highly recommend, mm-hmm. all this stuff is done mm-hmm. way better on the Bible Project. <laughs> just go there. Yeah. Stop this. Go there. Um, but they say this a lot. My professor, seminary professor, Gabriel Shears, was the first to kind of like mm-hmm. unpack this for me, was that what's going on in Genesis 1 through 11 is like, this this deep doom loop, this doom mm-hmm. spiral of humanity, but not just humanity, but also a spiritual rebellion. So you have what what this what Genesis one through eleven continues to do mm-hmm. over and over again, say that there there's a human rebellion against God and a mm-hmm. spiritual rebellion against mm-hmm. God, and they're intermingled, mm-hmm. and therefore God has in Genesis twelve called Abraham, therefore calling his mm-hmm. people Israel mm-hmm. to be a light to this this mm-hmm. fallen rebellion that this this heavenly fallen rebellion and earthly fallen rebellion mm-hmm. to be a light to them and then to bless mm-hmm. the world to them so mm-hmm. but so what you have in Genesis 6 is um what what you have in Genesis 3 is that a woman <laughs> is tempted by a spiritual being yeah. and he and she sees that the fruit is beautiful good mm-hmm. on the ice and she takes and eats and what happens in Genesis 6 is that the spiritual beings mm-hmm. sees that women are beautiful and takes. Mm-hmm. You see the, yeah. a, it's literally the parallel yeah. of Genesis 3. It's human beings rebelling mm-hmm. with um, uh, human beings rebelling because of spiritual beings and seeing and taking. Yeah. And then spiritual, spiritual beings, beings rebelling with humans, yeah. seeing and taking. Yeah. So it's this like over and over again, this like loop of like, do you see that this is a yeah. spiritual human rebellion against God yep. and it gets worse and worse and worse and yep. worse. So Genesis 6 and Genesis 3 are kind of like parallel in, in that sense. And you, then you have a, a deeper, darker rebellion, so much so that God's like, the hearts of humans are exceedingly wicked. Yep. Like it's just all bad all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I have a right. question. As we're talking about like the language of sons and daughters, then maybe this is getting too far ahead of ourselves, but of like, then and then it, now we are called sons and daughters. So is there a a redemptive like covering over that? I have two answers. It's a great question. I think when you read a term sons of God, you have to understand that there's a breadth of meaning and different people use it. And so it would be Mm -hmm. inaccurate for us in our like Mm -hmm. Bible study methods to say every time sons of God is referred to, it is exactly that unless you have a sense in the context of those different passages mm-hmm. that they are about that. Mm-hmm. So um, in, I was reading the same thing even just in, in preparation for Sunday's sermon mm-hmm. and our study on this series, 
that um, there are ways that sons of God is re refers to uh, Christians in the New Testament, sons of God in uh, as angels. Um, there's other usages, whatever. I'm forgetting some of them, but I think it might be. It, it, it might be bad for us to hear us talk about this and think every time I go find that phrase. That's what it means. Obviously, yeah. Jesus is the Son of God too, so there's yeah. a different different usage of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the one of the critiques of maybe Brashears and mm -hmm. maybe this interpretation of Genesis, um, like an older traditional view of Genesis six, might be saying it's not sons of God as angels. It's just like sons of God in the sense that they are uh, people who honored. God or didn't honor God, and that the problem, I'm mixing interpretive stuff, so I, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm trying to be as clear as I can here, but one of the traditional interpretations of Genesis 6 for... Cri know, Christian traditional, not Hebraic, um, not, yeah. not even Je not even time of Jesus. Well, of course, anyone who post, holds a position post, thinks yes. that they've, that everyone's always agreed with yeah, them, yeah, yeah, or yeah. if yeah. they disagreed <laughs> with them earlier, it's because they didn't understand enough, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, I think the traditional Christian perspective for centuries, I think, was that Genesis 6 was not about angels sleeping with humans, but about the lines of Cain and Seth. And one of them was very was godly and one of them wasn't. And then the fact that they're intermingling was the problem. So, but that has its own problems as well. Mm -hmm. Chiefly, the problem with the traditional view of, of this and the definition of sons of God is that Jude and Peter mm -hmm. seem to believe in... Mm -hmm the older Jewish thing that they were angels. Yeah. That's I mean, like one of the bigger problems. It was the it was the belief in this was the Jewish um, uh, uh, belief of what Genesis six was. It was time of Jesus. It's all the all the intertestamental books that we have, the mm -hmm. the second temple books that we have, all of it took this mm -hmm. interpretation, which Jude and Peter both do as well. Jude actually overlays Sodom and Gomorrah over this story as well. Um, as an inversion of Genesis mm, six, mm. he says he, he says this in, in Jude. He he talks about um, the passages that I read on Sunday. He talks about how um, uh, these spiritual beings left their post, left mm. their position, or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, here, I'll find it here in a second. Where is it? Can I directly answer Kayla's question better yes. yeah. while you're looking it up? Yeah. So tell me if this is an answer to your question. <laughs> it's not that there's one definition of it, and then there's like a plot line of Jesus fulfilling it. It's more like just a bunch of different usages of the same phrase okay. in totally different mm -hmm. meanings. So then follow-up question then. So is there a relationship then between um, the phrase sons of God versus sons of man? Of like sometimes it's – is it two – is it always two separate groups or sometimes like – as human beings, we might be referred to as sons and daughters of God and sons of daughters of man. Like That's a great point. I think the, the, the best interpretation of it would just be to delve into what you think the author intends by mm -hmm. those phrases in Genesis 6 mm -hmm. and not get mm -hmm. too complex with it. Yeah, but I think, I think it's, it makes sense when you read Genesis 6 that you're kind of going like there's two different groups here. Sure. And the daughters mm -hmm. of men are like humans mm -hmm. and the sons of God are obviously... Uh, in the older Jewish tradition, mm -hmm. these angels, and you're, I think you're just meant to ask the question, what is the author trying to say here? Mm -hmm. And obviously mm -hmm. it's some sort of intermingling thing. Mm -hmm. But I guess you are asking the are, question, yeah. which is how do we interpret these two <laughs> different yeah. groups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a traditional one, and then there's yeah. sort of like traditional Christian one, and then there's like, I think Dave's interpretation is like recapturing the Jewish Old Testament interpretation of it, mm -hmm. of what people would have believed in Jesus' time, mm. in line with like, Peter and Jude. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. When you're approaching the Bible, you can read over it all the stuff you want to read, but it's really important to... Um, I think I said this last week, the Bible was written for us, not to us. Mm-hmm. And because it wasn't written to us, we have to put our minds um, in the contextual, mm-hmm. like, first century, mm-hmm. when you're talking about Jesus, or mm-hmm. um, in the ancient world and the way they saw everything, mm-hmm. f- for, for you to extract meaning from it. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, then you're just reading your meaning over it, and that's mm-hmm. not helpful. Yeah, and I think maybe the case to be made um, would be that there are problems with even this interpretive take on Genesis 6, namely that when you look at what spiritual beings do, they never do this kind of stuff. Like I think, I'm trying to think of, um, what did I read? Where, uh, oh yeah, angels do eat in Genesis 18. So they do some sort of physical activity, uh, but they don't have kids outside of this passage. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, like, so you're, looking at, you're, you're right. looking at a single like, moment in scripture yeah. and kind of going like, probabilistically, we probably shouldn't hang our hat on this like um, any more than just like, it seems it's a weird passage. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it that, does piece together, but it is unique that. in scripture. You could do that, absolutely. But um, spiritual beings do take on physical form all throughout the Bible. You're right. That's a good point. So we think of spiritual beings as being without a body, yeah. but biblically. They have bodies. spiritual beings yeah. um, take on bodily mm-hmm. form throughout mm-hmm. the Bible, even mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so that so that we have a category for that. We do. So there. <laughs> so how, how in the world do sons of God, these spiritual beings, have sex with women? Yeah. Well, there's a category for spiritual beings having bodies. So there's a category for it. I can't answer it for you. Yeah. I can't tell you, but I can tell you there's a category for it in the Bible. Cool. So I, I think that that's a really important thing to like. Um, Understand, and then what's going on in, in the context, like is is what's kind of like unfolding through. I mean, if you if you if you take this to mean what I think the the authors and the editors of this of Genesis want us to take it to mean, it sets up Genesis twelve and the rest of the mm-hmm. Bible and the work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It sets it up. It's it's the setup. If you take it to be like a very watered down thing, it just doesn't set it up the way that I think the authors intend to set it up. Which brings me to like the polemic thing that we talked about last mm-hmm. week. Like a lot of this writing is writing as a, a polemic against the way that people saw the world at that mm-hmm. time. So oh, yeah. mm-hmm. almost every nation, every people group, every powerful mm-hmm. nation saw that the founder of their, believed that the mm-hmm. founder of their mm-hmm. nation was a half man, half God, giant who founded their nation. They actually believe that. Actually, if you, mm-hmm. if you, I had a couple, it's so funny. People that are not necessarily church people or Christian people love this stuff when I talk about it, but <laughs> yeah. church people yeah. get freaked out when I, yeah. I, I mention ancient aliens yeah. or ancient civilizations, yeah. you know, or whatever people, like Christians are like, ah, oh, don't, don't do <laughs> that. Yeah. There's, there's, other curiosity people, there's such a curiosity there. They love talking there. about it. Yeah. They love talking about it. So I, I say this to say, if you've watched these, you will find, especially ancient civilizations, you will find almost every civilization that they talk about will talk about their their origin story of their whatever technology they mm-hmm. have or whatever mm-hmm. god that they worship came from some giant that yeah. showed up that was a de- like a demigod mm-hmm. all over the world okay mm-hmm. so that's either just in the water that's just like you know be, the way that we see the world as you know pre-scientific humans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the Bible is written to say, no, those gods that are half God, half men that mm-hmm. founded your nation are evil. And here's our text to show you that they're evil. Mm-hmm. There's one God, Yahweh. Worship him and only him. 
Does that make sense? So it's it like it does make sense, and it gets into my thing that I'm so processing, which was about how do we read Genesis literal or figure, figurative, and and how do we know how to read Genesis? But you were going to bring up a scripture in Jude. Jude. Did you want to bring up that? Up? Oh, that will yeah, take us off track. Okay. But, okay, but I want to keep okay. going on this because I think this is a really important <laughs> yeah. point. Uh, and the literal figurative conversation is basically mm-hmm. a conversation that that modern Western rational yeah. whatever people have, right? Because um, those lines are blurry when you're when you're in the, you know, you're reading this in, you know, first century, or you're reading mm-hmm. this um, before Christ, you're reading this in the time of the, the writers putting this together. Yes, and, and I think it's because we, there was a time where in the West, we would read a history book, and we would say, this has no commentary, it's objective history. It's part of the l- larger scientific mm-hmm. project of recording mm-hmm. history. We have justifiable problems with that now in the postmodern yep. world because yep. we go history is only written by the victors, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, we've we've deconstructed that too, but we still do have the modernism in our head that yep. says there are people who are so smart that they're perfectly objective and can look back at. And mm-hmm. I think we read the Bible and go, is this supposed to be a history book? Is this a poem, mm-hmm. or is this uh, a persuasive theological essay? But that's because we always separate these things in our modern minds. The Gospels are accounts of Jesus's life that are in they are historical. Mm-hmm. They use legal language. Uh, they're they're better recorded than any other historical event mm-hmm. in the first century, mm-hmm. but they're they're obviously persuasive. Mm-hmm. So like those lines are blurred in the Gospels. They're also sort of blurred between poetry and figurative language. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so you know they're blurred with us. That might be might, what might make Genesis hard for us to read. But I think the the question still goes to maybe I'll just ask you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, how should we read what what parts of Genesis like literally happened? The cl- what's the claim? Is the claim that it literally happened? Or is the claim figurative? And I'm meant to sort of just ask a more figurative question around like, what's the le- moral lesson behind this? Or what's the symbolism behind this? How do I read it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, that is the question. <laughs> and I'd say the answer is a little bit of everything. In Genesis, know? that's the hard part, is it's a little bit of everything. You read Genesis 1, it's not a literal thing. It's not Adam saying, I was here when the world was formed. The first day happened yeah, this, the second day absolutely. is this. So that's a poem. Genesis 1's a poem. You get to Genesis 2 and 3, there's another creation account. Why is there another creation account? Because it's, it's recording a thing that happened with rivers and a place in the world, and there's names of these people. So there's a different claim than Genesis 1. And then you have a snake. And the definition of that snake is either a literal snake, or if you believe in a particular interpretation of it, you know, it would be one that's figurative. But I, I think... I don't know, but, but, uh, but, mm-hmm. but as you read through Genesis, uh, if you as you read through Genesis, you sort of the claims get more and more historical. Yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Places and events and things like absolutely. Yeah. Where I think the figurative, literal distinction is again, I think is a really hard thing to ask. I think what the Bible is, what Genesis is doing, and what it's trying to do is like. This is the world in which we live and how we know it. And this is the way God wants us to, to like uh, see the world through, um, through like, a, a, the, like a, a theological how God, uh, why God, who God, that sort of thing. Who is God? What does he do in the world? Where is it? Why is there evil? That sort of thing. Answering those questions through this culture, through these people, through, um, uh, through a time before they knew what a star was, you know? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Sure. And I think that's, so we, it's not fair to overlay our sort of modern questions over their questions. What's probably um, really helpful is to go, first of all, how, how accurate is this to 
um, human um, experience. When you start, I think that that's Mm -hmm. the, that's a a really important question I think to ask when, Mm -hmm. like if I, if I taught Genesis three from like a human experience level, everyone like, yeah, there, Mm -hmm. there's an Mm -hmm. evil. And sometimes it's really weird how evil gets into my life and it's not explainable. You're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like the snake. It doesn't really, Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain how he showed up there. But Genesis Mm -hmm. gives us a theology that's better than, we've talked about this, it's better Mm -hmm. than the way cosmology explains Mm -hmm. evil in the world. It's better than Mm. what sociology explains. It's it's more complex and nuanced than just sociology, which some people say the world's broken because there's just like societal structures. Yeah. You know, it's better than what psychology says is, or, the, or I think there's an argument to be made that like all of these things are good. Psychology is good. Sociology is good. Brain yeah. chemistry is good. They all help us to understand the world. But what if the overarching explanation for all these is like, is theology that Genesis gives us. That you read into all of those That you things. can read into all of it. Yes. And now you start to see a synergy be- between oh, yep. brain chemistry, mm-hmm. psychology, mm-hmm. sociology, mm-hmm. bio, um, uh, evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. All these things are now sort of actually fit pretty well yeah. if the umbrella mm-hmm. concepts are given to us in Genesis. is weirdly mm-hmm. scientific mm-hmm. Yeah. in the sense that it does sort of harmonize a lot of these ideas from what God's given us about, about the world, which Absolutely. is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, yeah, go ahead, No, I was just going to say that work in general of like going back and forth and being okay with the literal and figurative of both, I think is the work of, I feel like many congregants in our church, like that is our like call to be able to do that, like cultivate with God, to be able to ask the questions in the process. Now, I also just want to say it's not an easy process. Like that doesn't, that does not come naturally for me. Like, and to be able to say, can I ask the question and then, be okay with a process of being able to figure those questions out, to take what we experience in our own life. Like I thought you you posed the question, Dave, great, of like, is this what we experience though? Something that like in Genesis 1 through 11, can we also have our experience? So we find ourselves in that story, but also then making some things even from our experience today, like, and being able to kind of do map those over together to use that of just, I feel like, our congregation probably just needs to hear like, it's okay that it's a long work. Like it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be something that compels us to like be closer to Jesus and closer to God to like find out more. I think you even said this beautifully on Sunday is like meaning, what meaning? Like, and yeah. that's, that's the good work that we're going for. And like the reason why, like we even study the unseen realm, like it isn't just about our metaphysical stuff we touch and feel and see. It's like, there's, there is more breath to like life with God. And so, yeah, all that to say, I just was like reminding people like, it's okay that it's long. Yeah. It's okay that it should kind of almost make your brain be like, Ooh, like short circuit a little bit, but compel us forward. I think yeah. it's a great way to frame the long process of knowing the Bible. Yes. Because I think yeah. uh, if you read through the whole Bible with all of this stuff on in your mind, some stuff would pop out. Yep. And then the next time, like I read through the Bible with God's heart for justice for like a year. Yes. And I was like, I'm just going to pay attention to everything that it says about like justice and the yeah. alien and the poor or whatever. Yep. And it like brought things to light that I never would have thought of before. Yes. And then the next time I read through it, I was like, I, don't, I need to make more sense of yeah. like some of the redemptive things yes. about how they appointed Jesus. Yeah. And, There's room for both though, But right? that's the yeah. long process yes. of knowing your Bible. Yep. And the more you do it, you kind of go, oh, like a lot of this stuff finds its place next to the other things that yep. I learned. And then yeah. it becomes a lot less confusing and, mm-hmm. and it start, starts to make sense on like yep. an emotional level. Yes. even as a Bible reader, the more you do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you don't do it, you won't get that. That's yep. sort of the challenging thing yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think the claim, the, what, what is the literal part of Genesis? The claim, the literal part of, of Genesis <laughs> 1 through uh, 11 is 
there is an evil in the world that we mm-hmm. cannot see. This evil is animated, mm-hmm. intelligent, um, and is after the destruction of humanity and everything God holds like as sacred and holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this there's this intermingling of um, every time there's some some human thing that happens, there is a there's a darkness behind it that's that's um, uh, spiritually rebellious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what it's trying to teach us. It's mm-hmm. teaching us that. Like so, the fall. It wasn't just the fall. There was a snake <laughs> there. Um, the Tower mm-hmm. of Babel. If you read later on in Deuteronomy, it wasn't just the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. They weren't just trying to build a big building and threaten God. There was a there was a spiritual rebellion happening mm-hmm. there. Genesis six. You know, like with like the exceeding wickedness of humanity. Mm-hmm. What it wasn't just humanity. It was also um, like divine rebels, like mm-hmm. unseen angelic or demonic re- mm-hmm. rebels mm-hmm. that are actually a part of it as well. So what it's trying to, mm-hmm. to teach us is, is that thing, is mm-hmm. that thing over there's, there's an evil thing in the world. So later on, when the Bible continues to unpack it, Babylon is seen as like an economic, um, sociological, um, uh, political m- machine that's, that's hell-bent against God. So it's mm-hmm. all of those things. It's a system. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Paul talks about these systems, these these principalities and powers mm-hmm. that are over certain mm-hmm. isms, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like all this all the isms, the Bible's thing is all the isms mm-hmm. have some spiritual power behind them. It's not just humanity's problem, mm-hmm. it's also a spiritual problem, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a both and. Mm-hmm. It is and they're both and they both have free will. We have free will, and so do these demonic entities. I think it's, that's, this is what it's, this is why we're doing this series. Mm -hmm. This is what it's trying to highlight. So if the question was, did angels or maybe angels is a, is a wrong way of saying it. Did, um, rebellious, um, uh, you know, spiritual beings, Mm -hmm. um, take on flesh and have intercourse with women and then they had babies mm-hmm. that turned into giants. Is that did that literally happen? <laughs> and I can't answer that question. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's a question that this is what I can say is this: the Bible's claim is, um, uh, the Bible's claim is that this this stuff is real, and mm-hmm. you have to process it. You have mm-hmm. to deal with mm-hmm. it as a Christian. Like there's things that happen all over our world that we cannot explain at all. This is one of those things that I don't, I can't explain. I can process it and go. What are the implications of this? <laughs> but I can't say, did that really happen? And, and what area did that happen? Do we have their bones and all this yeah. other stuff? There are niche, really, really niche, like Christian and non-Christian podcasts and documentaries that will try to say, this is this is real, and those Nephilim are now Bigfoot or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which yeah. is so fun, but it's not like... <laughs> yeah, if you ask the question, speculate on. If you ask the question, what does not matter? It yeah. does matter if you understand the redemptive yes. thing that Jesus saved us from. If you see some rebellions... You have to keep the connections going. And you yeah. see how... Um, what are the three parts of the rebellion that Jesus sort of came the to redeem? The death, the grave, sin. and the underworld, that one? Oh, sin, death, and the oh, devil. Sin, death, sin, death and the devil. Yeah, so it's like there's a connection there I think that's really powerful and relevant yeah. to seeing what Jesus mm-hmm. came to do. Yeah, if you become like a, a Christian conspiracy theorist around the Nephilim, then that would maybe be a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, I then, don't know if it'd be a miss as much if that was main your only thing. Yeah, yeah. If it's your main thing, yeah. if it's your main thing, but if it's like a fun, like you can you can like watch you know the Friends you know 
all the all friends series like 15 times and give your time there or you can like do niche nephilim things yeah i mean whatever it's, it's, you know? it's, yeah, that's, yeah, it's like you yeah. could do it it's not make it it doesn't make the niche nephilim thing bad it's just like do you have a rounded out yes you know yeah it, it does round it out and i think you become a more open person when you read some of this stuff and you start to think about the way the world is and you go you know i don't have yeah. to have answers for everything yeah i can let go of some of my modernistic thing that says if the flood this is maybe right not too much but like if the flood <laughs> didn't literally happen the rest of the bible is not valid you're going i think you're just like reading into scripture something that doesn't, you're making the wrong argument yeah. for the val validity yeah. of scripture, if that's the case. Kayla, can, you got a question? Can I have a, not a question. Oh. I was going to say, like, maybe it's a statement that helps, like, summarize, I think, mm -hmm. all of what you've been saying mm -hmm. is that regardless of whether um, a particular passage calls you to read it figuratively or literally, or if it's a perfect, like, historical account, regardless of what mm -hmm. it is, uh, I think what you're saying is that it's important not to dismiss something that like whatever narrative that the Bible is is laying out, regardless of whether it's using figurative language or literal language, like you still mm -hmm. have to take that in and not dismiss it just because it's figurative. Important. Yes. Great point. Mm -hmm. uh, the the question you should be asking is what's the author's intent? Right. Yeah. yeah that's and, what I mean. Of like, no matter how it's it. asking you to read it, you should still be paying attention to the narrative that it's that it's telling you, regardless of whether or not it's telling you to read it figuratively or literally. Yep. Yeah, most of the work of whether it's figurative or literal can come in just what 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 does it seem like I'm reading here? What's the genre? What's the intent of the author? And I think you get a pretty clear idea of it at that point. Uh, Genesis does get unique, but again, we're just trying not to map over our modern questions, which is to say mm -hmm. is, if this isn't a history book, then it's not a uh, history. Yeah, and that's what's like mm -hmm. easy to dismiss it Dismissive. if we are yeah reading it that way yeah. yeah yeah and i think too like if you think about if i'm zooming out and someone's asking me <laughs> what what are they what is going on what, what was like the first like the the readers like what were they what were they reading what were they i and i think and my best guess would be that the, the that the nations that a lot of them oppressed israel claimed that you know the gods and the powers gave them power and authority to rule and to demolish and to you know, mm -hmm. to do all the things that they do. And um, the, the, uh, the biblical worldview is like, oh, no, all those things aren't, weren't good things. All those things were false, mm -hmm. as in they're not, they're not Yahweh. And actually Yahweh is, um, he, he reveals his name. Like, he's like, who are you? He's like, uh, um, 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 merciful, compassionate, lo loving kindness extends generations and generations. Mm -hmm. and yet, but there's also a yet, yet I will punish sin. You know, mm. so he makes it very clear. I have standards, mm. um, and there's clear sin, but this I am loving kindness, and so God reveals Himself to Israel as like I'm a loving, kind God who actually does judge, and will judge the the gods and the rebellion of this world will come under judgment. Then later on, we find out that He, ta he Himself takes the judgment. Right? Mm -hmm. um, this is um, actually in, in Luke at the end of uh, Luke when Jesus goes into coming out of the Garden of Gethsemane and they're resting him. He's like, why are you resting me here? I was always like, was walking mm. around like, but then he mm -hmm. says, but, but, but this is the time where darkness must reign. So Jesus is giving himself to this darkness, this mm -hmm. like darkness that's been there since Genesis three, right? Mm -hmm. um, been there since Genesis three and then darkness is overtaking Jesus. So he's taking all, so there's so many things happening in mm -hmm. Jesus' death. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's happening is that 
he's absorbing. I mean, the Matrix tries to do this, and I think they do take some of this. Like, they, um, Jesus absorbs death, like takes mm-hmm. it on, is a victim of it, and then overcomes it by coming, to, by coming back alive, and he mm-hmm. defeats the powers that way. So again, to zoom back out, what is happening? <laughs> I think what's happening is this. How are we going to interpret this? You know that that thing where we're so we're 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 so obsessed with economics and money mm-hmm. and profit mm-hmm. and consumerism it's not just human want there's divine spiritual revels behind that that's what mm-hmm. the bible's saying mm-hmm. there's actually power there's mm-hmm. powers there now you can say yeah it's power it's mass psychology it's like what people want and you can it, reduce it down if you want yeah, yeah and you can and it still maps like yes and there's something more than that that causes addiction that takes Mm -hmm. that some people never come out of right Mm -hmm. it's oppressive like what we do to get the stuff we have we oppress other nations Mm -hmm. that's demonic that's Mm -hmm. literally demonic yeah this is what the bible's saying like all that stuff there's powers behind it do you see that and we Mm -hmm. don't see that we're like Mm -hmm. no no it's not powers Mm -hmm. like the cheapest thing i'm buying a fast fashion because but but there's powers behind Mm -hmm. that that oppress other people Mm -hmm. And there's people that work in those stores that don't get paid a living wage. And there's people that made that stuff that don't get paid a living wage. And you get to buy that thing for $6. There's something behind that that someone else is making $5 off of your $6 and paying everyone else a dollar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's powers behind that. Yeah. So is that real? If I said that, I'm like, there's powers behind that, people are like, oh, yeah, absolutely, that's real. But if I said, mm-hmm. and that's a demonic power, and his name is Mammon, Memon, or whatever, yeah. like, oh, no, not, not a real something. Don't no. get spooky yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. No, a real something. You know, yeah. this is... This is what, um, I think this is the claim of Genesis 1 through 10 and the claim of the New Testament and the claim of mm-hmm. like, once you see that and you give yourself over to it, like, oh, it's a power that, mm-hmm. why can't I resist this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's First John that also links the spiritual powers to even false teaching. So like oh, even absolutely. the teachings yes. have the yeah. spiritual things. Yes. You can't just think of it as logic. You have yep. to think of it as my life is being pushed into a particular direction yeah. by something that has a spiritual power. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. John yeah. does that. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, he maps the same thing over those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. So I think that's kind of what, when you, when you start talking about, is the Bible figurative? Is it literal? Yeah. I think it's evading the bigger question. It's like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to them? What does it mean to us? You know? Um, and then are we willing to take what it means and the, and the, and the call of, of, of mm-hmm. Jesus and discipleship to Jesus and take that seriously? Or do we play ignorant? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's just us. And sometimes I have bad days <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I do this thing and there's nothing really behind it. It's just my own thing. You can live that way your mm-hmm. whole life. And, and, and I think Jesus is trying to rescue us from this. Mm-hmm. The, the world is a lot bigger and more complex than you think. And I've done something cosmically. This is Colossians. Read mm-hmm. Colossians. It's like cosmic mm-hmm. Christ, like co- so cosmic. Jesus did all mm-hmm. this cosmic stuff so that you and I, not so we can live comfortably in America, mm-hmm. it's that we can be a light to the world, that we actually live in a way of Jesus. So mm-hmm. that's, I think that's the big thing that's happening. So that's that's the important part. Mm-hmm. All right. Still I'm processing. I'm still processing. <laughs> yeah. Still processing. Um, Giants, though. Giants. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what I'll do is this. I'll just point people to um, the spiritual um, the spiritual beings podcast or um, videos on YouTube from Bible, Bible Project, Project that yeah. we put in our newsletter. It's on our website as well. Mm-hmm. You watch the whole series. They mm-hmm. kind of like will do um, uh, some, some giant stuff. Mm-hmm. But M- Michael Heiser does a bunch on giants on like... Um, 
descendants of giants and and mm-hmm. yeah, all that stuff, which actually gives there's a way to read the conquest stories that's a bit more spiritual, you know, yes. in nature, a bit more like, oh, what if mm-hmm. what if the conquest stories were about about the spiritual divine rebellion? Um, Instead of just like invading a land so mm-hmm. that you can live just there. Over, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that is interesting. I'm, so, I'm uh, uneducated on that, but I, yeah. I had just read something about it. Yeah. In, yeah. In so that there is a way, like, it's interesting. It's, it's something to just to list, to like process and go, huh, what, you know, so those are really hard stories to, to read, really hard stories. Yeah. And th- it doesn't make them easier to read. Mm. Um, but you also have to see what the Bible's trying to do. And mm-hmm. if there was this divine spiritual rebellion, and the spawn of this rebellion were giants and Nephilim. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I'm not saying it's, um, I'm 100% convinced. I'm still processing. I'm still processing <laughs> yeah. that. It's only been, a, I've only been a, maybe a year or so yeah, that I've been like, thinking about this. But it's interesting. Great. All right. This week we have, um, we have uh, Pete Hughes with us. From Encountering God Conference. Encountering God Conference. And um, if you have any questions, feel free to email hello at realitysf.com. With comments, questions, feedback, um, disagreement, yeah. uh, all that stuff, um, we read it and um, we have a good time. What's the length of an email that we will read? If you send 10 pages, I'm not reading all 10 pages. <laughs> I read it all. You do? Oh, yeah, cool. I That's do. great. I'm okay. curious. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, a, so, I'm agnostic but, yeah. on, on email. <laughs> oh, yes. so. Yeah. On I technology. Give I, I give the highlights too. All everyone. technologies. Whatever. Just Straight. Joking. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.